0: Hi guys, I'm Sam Bird from Jaguar TCS Racing, Formula E racing driver, and you're listening to the Everything Formula One podcast.
1: And it's lights out and away we go! The Verstappen goes into Turn 1 and goes past the Mercedes!
2: Oh! And Hamilton has gone from second in the race try again this time on the inside, a continent touch, Verstappen is out of the race and that's a big crash into Cops. Ocon wins the Hungarian Grand Prix. Russell is still on provisional pole. This time for Verstappen and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo the
1: Hello and welcome to the Everything Everyone podcast. Today, we're talking to a very special guest. We've got Sam Bird from FE Jaguar. Uh, how are you doing, uh, Sam? Are you OK? I'm good, thank you. And yourself? It's, uh, it's nice to be on board with you guys and, and speaking to everybody this evening. No, it's, it's our pleasure to have you on board. Uh, we'll we, we dive into your career uh, a little bit later on in the podcast, um, but we also alongside us today on the Everything F1 team, we've got Coops and we've got Emma. Hi, guys. How are you two? I'm not bad at all. How are you? I'm OK. It's, it's a bit cold today. That's why I've got my coat on in the garage. Um, but, you know, living the dream as always. Uh, Emma, how about yourself?
3: I'm great. Thank you. I really love Formula E, so I'm really thankful to be on the podcast today.
1: And we've got your favourite Formula E driver on today. So you must be uh, a bit excited. I am, yeah Good, okay, Well, we'll chat about Sandbird in in a little while Um, We are Everything F1 Uh, You can find us on all social media platforms We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube Uh, You can also visit our shiny website www.everythingf1.com And of course, you are listening to us on this uh, podcast If you could hit the bell and subscribe You'll get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes As soon as they drop Okay, so let's talk about some news that's dropped around, obviously, over the past week since we last recorded a podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, Coops, let's talk to you. Uh, What what piece of news did you want to speak about first and foremost?
2: Well, to kind of tie up the whole situation with Haas and Russia, we might as well get that out of the way just now. It feels like we've been talking about it for weeks. Uh, So Haas finally brought out a statement. Uh, they've terminated their relationship with uh, Alkali or Eurocali or however you pronounce it. <laughs> uh, I, I always get it wrong. Every time I look at it, I, I name it, I call it something different. Uh, so they, they've, they've cancelled that arrangement as a sponsor, as a title sponsor. And due to that, Mizepin has lost his seat because his seat was tied to the money that came from the title sponsor, which mm-hmm. is also his dad's company.
1: Absolutely, uh, yeah.
2: So, they, so they're away. Uh, It was kind of going to happen anyway. They've said that Pietro Fadipaldi will do the test. uh, And from what I've heard, then the grapevine not confirmed, pure conjecture, it looks as though they're looking at Antonio Giovinazzi. Sam Bird might know who he is because he's actually just started his career in Formula E, so it might not be a particularly long one. So <laughs> uh, I don't, I, again, don't know if that's actually happening. That seems to be name that's been bounced around along with uh, Federpaldi. and uh, I'm trying to think there was somebody from Formula it, Two. It, it wasn't it Piastri and also Nico
1: Nico, Hau- Nico in the line uh, for the position. You're I nodding that, nodding your head, Emma. There. Yeah.
2: I think I think Piastri's won was mentioned and then pretty quickly canned because he's Alpine. Yeah. And there's too many other things going on in the background there with that one. So I don't know. There's a lot of a lot, of, a lot of names. Hulkenberg, every time there's a seat. There could be a seat with a, a racetrack, a, a seat in a bus going to a racetrack and Hulkenberg's <laughs> name's getting mentioned. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Okay, we'll go to Sam then because he's our guest. Sam, what, what's your take on it all?
1: Was it the right thing for... Uh... Has to do to remove your obviously to remove your um however it's pronounced. Obviously, we say it differently every time. Uh, and of course, Mazepin uh, along with
0: that. It it certainly seems that all sport are um, converging to one uh, to kind of have one base. Uh, that being that um, you know no no support to Russian athletes or teams currently. Mm-hmm. Um, with the ongoing war in Ukraine. Um, uh, I've actually signed a letter to say that I can't talk about anything to do with this. That's, fair. Uh, that's an FIA letter, so I don't really want to get in trouble. Um, uh-huh. But obviously, um, I'm very much on the opinion of no to war, as as I think ninth, You know, everybody apart from one person is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'd heard the rumor about Giovinazzi a while ago, actually, about about this potential move when this situation started. Okay. Uh, so uh, I can see that happening. Um, but at the same point, I think it, it's uh, it would be a shame. I, I would have loved to have seen what Piastri could do. Um, yeah. thoroughly deserves a shot in Formula One right now. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy have done any more on the way up? And for him to be sitting on the sidelines is a shame. It shows, um, I think, it shows some flaws, fundamental flaws within the the whole ladder system that we have in motorsport. You know, if you if you do that well, you should be rewarded with a seat, in my in my opinion. But look, it's it's just the way that it works right now. But I'd love to see that guy in Formula One and see what he can do. So, if you have heard that
1: Giovinazzi may go and you think it's likely. Um, are you going to miss not competing with him this year? Do you, do you think he would have, obviously he's had a bit of a rocky start, uh, in formula E, do you think he would have found his feet and, and, and been competitive with yourself and the rest of the team?
0: And, and as a world-class driver. So he, he, I'm sure that he would pick that team up and they would, uh, go forwards. Um, there, there is a bit of a pecking order in Formula E. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that team currently isn't right at the forefront of the pecking order, so it's mm. more difficult for him to score wins and and podiums as opposed to other teams. But look, he's a he's a he's a world class driver, and I do believe that um, th- I, I think the seat will go his way. And you know, good luck to him because he's a super nice guy.
1: He is. He is the uh, the Italian Jesus. We, we 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 love a bit of <laughs> Giovinazzi. <laughs> Uh, and we're going to see his gorgeous locks back on the grid uh, sometime soon, you think, uh, maybe or maybe not. We, we can't really dwell on it too much because it might not happen, but you never know. Emma, is there a, an, another news story that you'd like to speak about from the week?
3: Um, probably just the extension at Imola, the uh, extra three years that we're, they're going to be racing there with Formula One.
1: Yes, yeah. So three more years at the fantastic circuit uh, of Imola, um, the Emilia-Romagna, Grand Prix. Um,
0: Sam, have, have you raced at Imola? I have raced at Imola. Uh, I raced there once in GP2 Asia. Um, I didn't have a good race, but uh, in qualifying it was uh, myself and Roman Grosjean on the front row, and mm-hmm. unfortunately then I got tagged at the first corner on the first lap, so the race was done. But yeah, it was. It, it's a it's a wicked circuit. Really good fun. Um, punishes you when you make a mistake. Which I think a lot of tracks these days kind of avoid. There seems to be an awful lot of runoff on on a lot of the circuits these days. So when COVID happened and they announced tracks like like Imola, it was really refreshing to go back to some of these more old school circuits where you get you get punished if mm. you go wide or you you can't um, just take infinite amounts of speed into corners and and know that you've got. Uh, the runoff to, to you know, give you that that buffer. So it it was certainly nice to see that on the calendar, and hopefully it continues to stay on there. Although, does it make for the greatest race? Mm, I'm not so sure. Well. We're not-so-secret McLaren
1: fans uh, on the podcast here. Uh, we, we pretty much say this every week. So last year's result was quite good for us. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I could see what I mean. The, the, the rest of the time, is is the racing as close and uh, as competitive as as some of the other tracks? Maybe not, but it's that prestige, isn't it, of having the Imola tr- Imola's track on the grid? Um, on the calendar, sorry. Coops. Um, what, what have you got to say about Imola? Anything to add?
2: Oh, I just I love the track. You know, I, as as an old man, still I think I'm still the oldest on the podcast. Uh, oh, I remember. Man. Hang on how old are you? I'm forty this year.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, you beat me. That's on a podcast, so that's good.
2: Yeah. So yeah, thanks for that. So just <laughs> uh, so I mean, I remember watching Formula One back in '92, '93. You know, by, back in the day where that was pretty much all the tracks you got, you took a couple of wheels off, you're in the gravel and you stay there. <laughs> uh, and of course, we all remember what happened back in uh, '94. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those tracks, it's, it's, it's on the same level as Silverstone, it's on the same level as Monaco, it's, a, it's this historical, there's something about it, mm-hmm. whether it produces the best racing in the world there's still that element of, I don't know, it's uh, nostalgia, I think is the best way to put it. Um, The only good thing, well, coming to the gravel, actually, sorry, not a good thing, but one of the things with the the upgrades to Spa, they're they're adding in more gravel. They're going back the way up at Spa and bringing gravel back, which is, uh, I I hated to run off. See, when you go to Bahrain and it's all just tarmac and lines, like, and all these discussions about track limits. I know, Sam, with Formula E, it's all kinda of, uh, city circuits. You don't have track limits, your track limits yeah. hitting the barrier. Yeah. Uh, so find, you know I find the track limits quite often actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you don't have these discussions about about track limits in Formula E, but uh you, you you certainly did in Formula One and it was always a discussion, like go back to gravel. They would they wouldn't have this discussion. Drivers wouldn't be going where they where they are. If there was gravel there, uh, so you know I do like I do like it for that the kind of and let's hope that these new regulations in Formula One bring a bit more closer racing so we actually see something happening. And of course, the rule
1: that they can't go actually off off and past the white line now that's going to help solve any confusion.
2: This this is the thing that was so confusing was the fact of. There is such a simple solution, but why did we go to every Formula One race last season with? So this is the track limits in this corner, and this will be the track limits the that corner for this part of the session, and then this week, then this session it will be different, and then like there's white lines, there's curbs. Just tell them it's the whole track and it's these lines. <laughs> That's it. It, it seems just, a
1: simple solution.
2: It just got very complicated when it was need. There was no need for it, but we've got that sorted now. So. OK, well, let's talk about the
1: other big news that dropped this week. A, a, a massive contract extension for Max Verstappen uh, for Red Bull. Uh, he's going to be there for, what was it, five more years at the very least? 2028. 20, 2028, 20, wow, that's a massive contract. Uh, with, with, obviously, they haven't disclosed the the figure that he's going to be uh, earning every, every 30 year.
2: $37 a year.
1: Same, same as uh, Hamilton, hasn't it? Wow.
2: They're,
1: there, they're there about. He could uh, he could bung us a few tenors and he, it wouldn't even affect him, wouldn't it? It'd be, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? Um, supporting the the, the smaller uh, podcasts out there. Um, what were you surprised to see such a long contract, Sam, uh, for Verstappen?
0: Not at all, not at all. You've seen Ferrari do it with Charles Clerk because they believe in him, they trust him, they they love him there, and they think that he is the future of um that uh, the 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 Ferrari team. And it's exactly the same for Max obviously Max has been there now for four or five years he's now become a world champion and they want to clamp him down because I, th- I think that they they were probably a little bit worried that the likes of Mercedes and and Ferrari might go snipping around and offer him a ludicrous amount of money in the near future so the only way to combat that is to um, is to do it themselves mm-hmm. because he Demand that kind of salary now. He's that good. There are two guys that stand out in Formula One currently, and that is Lewis and Max, and they are on enormous amounts of money. But it's because they're the best two. It is, but it's a long time to uh, to put into a team.
1: Uh, and from what we've heard, and I don't know how true it is, that the get-out clauses aren't you know massive either. They, they've kind of they've really stuck to their guns on that, and uh, they've they, they've they've said no, we're happy to to remain. So does that mean that? you know, hit, hit, that Red Bull might hit a bad patch and Max will still be stuck in that team. Um,
0: or... Still getting paid 40 million euros a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to soften the blow, bit. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Shame. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a fighter. Um, that's what I love about watching him. In particular, especially well, those two guys—they fight for everything that they've got. And look, if, if he doesn't have the best car, I still believe that he will—he will make it work um, more than Checo, and he will deliver results that probably flatter the car a little bit if it's not right up there. Um, but you see, when they get the car right, uh, boy, he—he's—he's he's ready to give Lewis a serious—a serious fight, which is nice to see. Okay, what was your opinion on last year there. Well, One we've got you here. Um was was it the best year of Formula 1 that you've watched for a long while? Yeah, it was it was exciting, wasn't it? Um the ending um in my opinion the ending wasn't correct. Um there were rules for a reason and and the rules weren't adhered to. Mm-hmm.
2: But
0: but besides that, it was dramatic, it was intense. Every weekend you look forward to the years gone by. I've watched it, um, and you kind of go, "Oh, Lewis is going to win. Lewis is going to win." And and every weekend, it kind of feels the same. But this year, it it had a very special feel to it, um, and and you looked forward to watching a Formula One race again.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I enjoyed them before, but this year, I really, I couldn't wait to sit down and see the drama unfold because you kind of felt that something was going to happen all the time.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and 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 it did every race. Every race we had something to talk about. Every race
0: we had, we were on the edge of our seats. It was uh, exactly I, you. You had the crash at Silverstone. You had the collision at Monza. You had the collision in Jeddah. You had the controversy at the controversy at the final round of the season. Um, you had some incredible battles as well. So all all these things combined, uh, yeah. For me, it was the best the best formula 1 season probably for the last decade or, or even two decades absolutely I, I agree i completely agree
1: with you. Uh, you you have to go back as far as uh, louder and uh, hunt to to kind of see similar similar battles like that uh, i would i wouldn't
2: go that far back i would say 97 was probably yeah, the next that's true season yeah yeah yeah
1: i remember that one too oh, so. It was probably in my early early days of watching oh, uh, Formula One.
2: Yeah, I was <laughs> a lot older then. There well, you go. Okay.
1: Uh, interestingly, Sky did uh, release a documentary about the duel um, that, that we had last year. I've, I've, I've watched it. I, I don't know if any of you have watched it yet. Have you watched it, Emma?
3: No, I haven't. I was going to say, I'm not the person to ask about this. I haven't
1: watched it yet. (laughs) You should watch it. It's quite good. Well, if you want a reminder of how on edge everything was last year, you definitely need to give it a watch. Coops, did
2: you watch it yet? No, I've got it saved. Uh, The reason I haven't watched it quite yet is more because I kind of struggle listening to the Sky Pundits because they're very Hamilton Bay biased and it's just a bit kind of like, oh, chill. Right. it's not all, Hamilton does make a few mistakes, it's not all Verstappen's fault, come on. <laughs> uh, I will say,
1: I I thought it was quite a fair and even um, reporting of what happened um, last year, they, they played a bit from Verstappen growing up, uh, and then obviously gave his side of the story for some of the battles and some of the incidents that happened last year, and then they looked at Hamilton going up through the sport, winning uh, flashbacks, and, and they again saw things from his side. Uh, and interestingly, uh, Jensen Button, you know, was kind of score when he was talking about things, he was scoring them. Oh, yeah, that was definitely more Hamilton's fault. And, and this one was definitely more Max Verstappen's fault. Got, I'll let you guess what incidents uh, they were. Um, Sam, I, you probably haven't got time to watch the TV. So I'm sure you you, you probably haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure you can imagine what, what was contained in
0: the documentaries. <laughs> I've actually watched probably half an hour of it. Um, I watched the episode um, from Silverstone through Hungary through Spa. Um, and it was, it's, it's very interesting, um, nice in-depth analysis of what occurred throughout the year. Quite exciting. Um yeah, I'm. I'm careful not to kind of Formula One myself out a little bit because I've got Drive to Survive coming up as well. <laughs> it, it, I don't don't need to constantly be reminded of last season's Formula One. But um, no, it it, it seems good.
1: It, yeah, it, I I think for a for a fanatic of F1, I think it's it's probably
0: a better documentary. Exactly. I think that if you are a real Formula One fanatic, this would probably be dare I say, more of a watch than the Netflix one that is a little bit more Hollywood. Um, mm. They're both both cool. They're both great.
1: Yeah, uh, Drive, to, Drive to Survive, obviously, is coming out. Uh, What's the date that's coming out? Is that? 11th of March. The 11th of March, so very, very soon. Um, and it's the thing that Drive to Survive has done for the sport is, is amazing. It's brought up a load of new fans, so we can't downplay how, how positive the effect of Drive to, Drive to Survive has been on uh, Formula One. Any other news uh, that you wanted to talk about? Coop, was it the F one F one manager you wanted yes. to speak about? Because you're uh, you're say, a big
2: no. you're a big gamer, aren't you? I'm a big gamer. I have a PlayStation Five. Uh, it's the first console I've ever ordered and managed to get a hold of on the day of the launch. Wow! Uh, that was that was uh, fun. An exciting uh, day. It was, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember playing the original. Kind of Formula One manager games back in the day again, old. Uh, <laughs> and then to have a fully licensed one with properly with the you know the man- like the the way the technology is just now the PlayStation Five and the the new Xbox and stuff like that and it's you know licensed the way down to Formula Three. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of hours of my life it's disappear down this black hole when it <laughs> arrives in the summer. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't very good at the football manager games back in the day, so I'll probably going to bankrupt quite a lot of my Formula One management Formula One teams when I play this game.
1: But <laughs> it's something to look forward to for the summer. Are nice. you? A, are you a gamer, Sam? Have you got any time to, to get into the games, or is it maybe F F One Twenty Twenty Two that you're looking forward to most?
0: It, do you know what? I'm not a big gamer, um, and I think that's because because I'm uh, I've been involved in some of the best simulators in the world. Mm. I then. On, go home and I, I've been spoiled basically I've been, I've been massively spoiled and to, to sit on a play seat and, and play and play PlayStation is I can see the appeal to, to a lot of people and it's, and it's fantastic and they do do an amazing job on the graphics, on the car feel, the force feedback um, but I, you know, especially when I've had a day on the simulator that you know and i'm and i'm mentally and physically destroyed because it it takes it out of you mentally being on the simulator you have to focus so hard because not all of your senses are working your other senses are working over time in order to compensate so you go home and you're fried i don't think i want to then sit down and and do more of it i want to just chill and 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 not do that basically Uh, (laughs) i don't blame you (laughs) I will have a go now and again, but it, it's not something that I do all the time. How about when uh,
1: COVID was obviously peak? Was were you missing your racing, and did you take in, take part in any of these uh,
0: like events that they put on online? Are we? are uh, so my old house had most shocking internet connection known to mankind. The, the internet was so slow, <laughs> and we had to do this. Um, this e-racing challenge thing in Formula E. So they, they brought this play seat down to my house and set it all up and everything. The internet connection was so weak, so bad. um, And so I could, during the week, I could do the practice on, um, on R-Factor, I think it was. And I'd, I'd I've got my discord ready and my twitching and my R-Factored and I, I'm, I'm all glued in and, and I'm doing practice laps and everything's good and I'm getting quite quick. And then it came to the race day and because it, there's a lot more data going in and being involved in a race, mm. crash immediately. Like after after like 30 seconds, I would pause on the circuit and then all of a sudden I'd be spinning up in the air, <laughs> flying into the oblivion because I've been hit and I didn't even know. <laughs> wh- and I got, I got really sick of it um, very, very, very quickly. Um, at which point, I told them to pick the simulator up and move it to the race team base, which is 120 miles away from where I live. And then every other Saturday I'd have to drive to the factory during lockdown on my own, open the factory up, set it up on my own, and just do one day. And, and it was impossible because everybody else was doing that multiple hours. So I I wasn't very good. And that kind of annoyed and destroyed my experience of... The, the e-racing challenge.
1: <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry we brought that up. That sounded like a traumatic
0: time for you. It <laughs> in the Priory. Um, <laughs> I'm to... oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: well, we've got testing, actually, that's going to start for uh, the F1 crew uh, on Thursday. Um, and there's rumours circulating that mes- uh, Mercedes haven't even brought forward their full car um, to the Barcelona test. Uh, they, now, this is only rumours uh, and, and kind of conjecture, um, but we're going to comp- see a completely different car at the testing in Bahrain this year. Can you believe that, uh, Sam?
0: I can I can believe that. Look, I, I think that Mercedes last year um, didn't let the ball slip at all, but they've had such an advantage that they could go, right, guys, let's focus most of our attention on the next set of regulations so we'll do updates here and there for for last year's car but let's put all of the resources all of our weaponry firepower our best guys on the next set of regulations that's what we did back in 2011 2012 when i was there we in 2011 we'd already started on the hybrid engine stuff on the simulator which is about a year and a half before anybody else so we could manipulate the regs to suit our power unit. That's how far ahead of the game we were because we were the only ones doing it. The FIA were coming to us for advice. So we uh, we, we just had the best of it. And you saw when, when those regs came out, Mercedes were light years ahead and they've been light years ahead ever since. I think that they thought they had enough of a buffer in the bank that they could still get it done uh, last year and they nearly did they they did have to work hard um at some points last year and turn up the 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 technology um and the updates during the season but i still think that they've got an awful lot of weaponry to come this season they also like to sandbag at testing they don't like to run a light car they will always run a car that is over 50 kilos of fuel um and and won't dip below that normally um so I think that the car that you see in Bahrain will be closer, it won't be everything, and then we'll get to the we'll get to the race weekend and then you'll see the true the true car and what the true car can do i'm i've got a I've got a feeling that they are going to be really really rapid um, <laughs> and, and, and millions of hearts sank as soon as you said that. <laughs> Really sorry to say, but I, I think that they have probably played the smart game again, played the long game again because they could afford to, and I think that they're going to be very quick um, i've heard rumors i've heard rumblings, and that's what i've heard i've heard they're quietly confident to be very, very fast oh
1: Emma. Are you uh, looking forward to testing? It's going to be on TV, so you're going to be watching there, tapping away, maybe making some articles, maybe making some images. Uh, So, Are you excited for the the next few days?
3: Yeah, I can't wait. I really struggled last time not being able to see anything from testing apart from the images that were shared on social media and stuff. Um, So, yeah, it'd be good to actually watch it this time. Um, Yeah, I'm really excited. I think Sam's right, though, about – I think maybe a lot of the teams aren't going to have their full cars until the actual first race day. Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting to see as well.
1: And who are you rooting for um, for, for for kind of putting in a quick lap? Are you going to see we're going to see a surprise at the top of the time sheets?
3: Um, I think it'd be good to see McLaren up there again, like uh, the first in with Daniel and Lando at the top, um, and then maybe some more Ferrari at the top as well.
1: The red cars it's a that is a beautiful car that is a beautiful machine um out, out of all of them uh sam we, we've we've answered this question which one do you like the look of the most in terms, um, of, in terms of livery we'll,
0: we'll say livery first I, I i do tend to agree with you i think ferrari have done a stunning job um so i'm i'm definitely going to go with that that one yeah it's it it just looks looks nice and it? it looks very nice um okay well
1: that's pretty much a rundown of all the news uh, that we need to speak about. Um, it hasn't been a massive week, apart from obviously the whole Hass saga. Um, and oh, we could should touch on that they might not even appear at the first day of testing because of a, a haulage situation with their uh, with their stuff still stuck in Doncaster. So hopefully that's going to sort itself out, and they will manage to turn up for that testing. Um, hopefully that. Uh, they'll get a plane to sort them out, um, but yeah, it's it's been dominated by Hass uh, and the Mazepin and and the Russia um, Ukraine kind of news over the week. So not not exciting news, uh, but certainly news that we had to talk about.
0: I do have some exciting news, and of clearly the biggest news of the evening so far <laughs> is, is that um, I will be in Bahrain for the first race. I will be doing live commentary with Jack Nichols on BBC Radio Five Live. So. There you go. Heard it first here. Wow! <laughs> nice. Very nice. How did uh, you wrangle that one? <laughs> I, got, I got a phone call asking if I wanted to do it, so I was like, "Yeah, why not? Let's let's give it a go." You
1: know? Have you are you have you commentated before? Have you done commentary before? No, but I've got the face for it. So. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you heard it here first. Then, if you're if you're listening to Radio Five Live and what, listening to the Formula One, you'll be hearing uh, none other than. And Sam Bird himself uh, commentating on the first race. He knows nothing. Then it's clearly Jack. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, well, let's interview Sam, because you've, you've come here to talk about yourself a little bit. Well, have I? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you invited me on. And I didn't want to talk about myself. I was just happy to have a chat, but I get what you mean. Fire yeah, away. Fire. Well, yeah, uh, we, we, we want to know
1: uh, about everything. So you were born, obviously, I um,
0: born. <laughs> <Of course more. laughs> That's a good, start, a
1: good start. Here we go. Yeah. Was it, was, 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 <laughs> you were born. And when oh. you were born, were you born with a steering wheel in your hand? Was it always racing that you were interested in?
0: Um, so Great. my mum, um, my mum has always loved motorsport. Uh, so has my dad, to be fair. And they'd, they'd always have the F1 on in the kitchen, you know, back when it was on, I think it was on Eurosport back in the day. Um, and I used to love watching these, these amazing cars go around the track. And I used to say to them, look, Mum, dad, I, I, I'd love to go go-karting. I somehow found out that go-karting was the thing to do. Um, I used to write letters to them and please let me go go-karting. And then for my eighth birthday, they, you know, for my birthday present, I got to go to Silverstone. They had a little track there and I, I did some laps that. Um And it's quite funny on the, They gave like a little report card out, the instructor who was looking after the track for the day. And he must have said a throwaway line on there. And we've got it written down somewhere at home. He said, ah, you know, well done, Sam. You've got some talent. One day, Frank Williams will come looking for you. Because Williams back then were the biggest team in Formula 1. They were winning everything. And it's a nice thing to say to an eight-year-old kid, isn't it? But literally, fast forward a decade, and Frank Williams did call me. And I did get a chance to drive and sample his Formula One cars for a few years. So, you know, if you, if you work hard enough, dreams can come true.
1: Oh, it's, a, it's a great story, isn't it? That's, that's inspiring for all the young listeners. Absolutely. Um, so what has been your favourite, obviously, we'll take Formula One out of there, because I, I, I guess there's something special about driving in a Formula One car, and you've had the privilege of, of being able to do so. But out of kind of before on your junior career, one when you were moving up through the ranks, what was your favourite Formula to, to drive in or cars to drive in was it the open wheel stuff?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's something special about driving Le Mans at night. So that's that's fun. Whatever I'm driving, um, as long as the car is well balanced, it's it's great fun. And it's not raining, and I'm not on slicks. Apart hmm. from hmm. great fun, um, yeah, I loved I loved my era and my my time in GP2, especially in the Russian time car. And the ART cars, when when they were dialed in, they were mighty quick cars that we could be unstoppable on any given day. And then um, I thought the World Series by Renault car that I drove uh, when I came third in that one, um, that was a really cool car as well. Great tyre by Michelin, um, really high downforce car. Um, it could have done with a little bit more power, Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but it was it was phenomenally quick, so so yeah. I think I think I probably had my best race ever in a World Series car. Um, so and um, that was in Monaco with me and me and Jules going hammer and tongs for the win. I saw that
1: you uh, competed with quite a few uh, names that have been in Formula One. Um, uh, do you do you have a good relationship with them um, when when you see them out and about? Uh, do, you, do you see all these big names all the time?
0: Ah, you know what? When when I bump into people, obviously people are very nice. Um, you know they they do remember that I've raced against them, and I can have a conversation with them. So I'm looking forward to going to Bahrain, and you know if I can bump into some people, then yeah, that's great. But it's 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 a hi. How's it going? How you doing? It's it's not that you know we we speak all the time or anything, but um, I do have some great memories of of racing some who are now big names, um, and I'll keep them with me all the time. And I, to be fair, I still race against some very big names. I think Formula E, in its own right, is one of, if not the most difficult championship on the planet, pound for pound. From top to bottom, it's full of amazing names. Mm. And ours are so close, makes it even tougher. We now have qualifying systems that you've got two groups of 11, and you're going into the weekend thinking, oh, am I in a good group or am I, in, you know, which is the easier group? There's no easy group. There's no easy driver. You're not guaranteed anything in Formula E. Well, let's talk about Formula E. Uh,
1: have you got a, a question for uh, Sam, Emma? Let's, let's go to you first.
3: Um, I was going to ask, um, which I thought might be interesting because we were just talking about Drive to five, But um, if Netflix were to come to Formula E with that type of programme, is that something you'd want to take a part of?
0: Yeah, I'd love to do it. And actually, um, Formulary e did tried to do something similar last year. They did like 15, 15 minute um, sort of documentary things, and they put them on YouTube. Um, and they were they were pretty good. The problem is is that Netflix obviously is spending so much money on Drive to Survive, and it's been so successful. Why would they look to do another series? However, I think Formula E would be very exciting on on something like Netflix. Um, but let's see what the future holds. I think as Formula E continues to grow, there's more opportunity for something like that to happen. It is getting bigger,
1: isn't it? You know, there's, there's more and more people tuning in. And you are the only driver to have uh, won a race in every single season that they've had so far. Is that correct? Yep, yep. showing my age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's seven seasons now in Formula E. So, am I right? I've won a race, yeah. Wow, that's that's great. Uh, and hopefully, you'll you'll be a a winner this year and continue your record.
0: Yeah, that's that's. I, I want to do better than that, though. Um, you know, this championship has eluded me for so many years now, and every year I'm I'm ever. I think I've led the championship every year I've done it, and every year I've won a race or multiple races. Yet I haven't won a title. So I I would dearly like to try and challenge again for a title. Um, we haven't had the best start of the season, but we understand why. Right. I, can't, I can't explain it to you guys, unfortunately, <laughs> um, but we understand why. And I'm looking to correct things when we get to Rome in a, in a few weeks' time. So have you got a, a plan a Plan in mind? Have you, you got an, a, a mindset that you're going into the rest of the season with? Poll, win. <laughs> Poll, win. <laughs> I mean, the plan, the plan is to be smart. Um, Too many times last year I got either taken out of a race or I made a silly mistake. I only finished, I think it was six races last year, which is absurd, like 15 races. I only finished six and I came sixth in the championship. Um, It's not good enough. The Mm. the level you can't do that. So uh, I've adjusted a little bit this year and even if, it's, even if it's a ninth place, just take it. Take a couple of points and move on and, and be happy with that instead of trying to get to seventh and sixth and fifth and, and doing moves that are, they might be on, but they're risky because if you're racing the wrong guy, they might not want to play ball. And that, mm. that that's quite a bit informally, e, unfortunately. Um, so that's what I'm aiming to do this year, be a little bit more consistent and... Maybe slightly more reserved.
1: You never, you don't hear that from uh, drivers very often. But I think it's a, it's, it's probably a mindset that people like Lewis Hamilton has. Um, you know, he he's not quite the Max Verstappen where he goes for every single point. He knows when to take second, and and that's maybe, I I think what you're alluding to uh, being yeah. consistent.
0: You know, I've uh, I had a season a few years ago in Formula E where I, I didn't have the most efficient car, and I had a heavy car. And I somehow managed to do the whole season and I maximized every point. There wasn't another point that I could have scored. It was like the perfect season. And I still couldn't win it in season four with a, with a heavy unfancied car that we had. Um, and that was the maximum like, but I haven't had a season like that since because I think I've forced it a little bit too much. Um, I've tried almost too hard to win too many races. Um, because it hurts me when I don't win. But in mm. Formula I can't win every race. Yeah, I, I desperately try to. I think that a different mindset and a different approach was important this year in order to score more points for myself, for my team, Jaguar TCS Racing. And hopefully that change of approach will start paying, you know, reaping some rewards soon. Do you train... Obviously, the mind
1: as well as training your body. Obviously, you've been in the gym uh, this evening, which is why you know you've come onto the, the the podcast uh, this evening. You know, after a hard workout.
0: Um, but do you, do, you, do you do any kind of meditation or anything like that to, to get your mind in shape? Working with a mental and physical coach right now, and it's very simple things that we're doing, but they're quite effective. So yeah, I do do stuff like that. I think it's it's very important these days,
1: isn't it? I mean, was it was it Roman Grosjean? Who uh, who kind of brought that into to, to Formula One uh, was was one of the first ones. Coop. So you, you'll know that.
2: Yes, after he's banned, I think that was the Spa. Was it Spa that he got banned for the accident involving mm-hmm. uh, Hamilton? Mm-hmm. He got a one race ban, and he went away and kind of reset himself and brought a sports psychologist. I want yep. to say sports
0: psychologist. Yeah, yeah.
2: Kind of brought him in and it kind of reset him because. Roman Grosjean back then you could see the talent but uh, Sam could probably understand better than I can explain that his decisions were just as a spectator you'd be like what are you doing? Like, mm. And as a driver you're probably and someone who's been in the motorsport industry would probably be able to understand it as well but you know you could see the potential you could see the speed but he didn't channel it the right way and I think for Grosjean's sake, the ban was probably the best thing for him because I don't think he was going to be in Formula 1 much longer if he didn't have that ban. And sort of, and it kind of gave him that opportunity to reset and sort himself out. And, and he's, uh, he's, doing, he's doing brilliantly in IndyCar now.
1: You IndyCar know. is amazing. He's, he's, he's beat. so good. So obviously he, he always had the talent, he always had the speed. Um, just oh, make, oh. Maybe it was F1 that didn't suit him.
2: Yeah, although he did make a bit of a stupid error at free practice over in IndyCar where he wasn't paying attention as he came up to a corner, everyone's slowing down to make a gap, and he railroads into the back of took him a saddle, yeah. going f- <laughs> full guns. oh, my, come on, pop, chill. <laughs> uh, but other than that, he had a good, he had a good weekend. Uh, for Andretti racing at the IndyCar that weekend. I watched that race. Uh, anyway, we
1: we digress. Sorry, we'll get we'll get back to, to to Sam. Uh, have you got a question for Sam Coops while you're there?
2: fourteen hundred, but that don't know time for that. Uh, <laughs> I think probably the more relevant one to touch on when you'd said that you, you your team know why you haven't really started the way you'd want, wanted to. And I know you can't divulge it with us, but did you know very quickly? What, I'm curious to know, like you go out on your free practice in the first race, did you, did you kind of know as a team, like, oh, wait a minute, this isn't right? Or um, was it more, did it develop over the first three races?
0: No, it was a bit bizarre. So we... We went to Saudi and I've I've won Saudi the last two years on the bounce. So I felt confident going in there. I won there. I was the last winner there last year. So went there, put the same car on the ground pretty much. Obviously, there's some differences with software and uh, and other things as well that should make us more efficient and quicker. And I felt like I was sliding around on ice and, and I was really struggling for grip. Um, yeah, I could see the minimum speeds of some of the other cars, especially through the mid and high speed corners, they could take a tighter line and hold a tighter line and carry more minimum, minimum speed. And it was a bit alarming actually, um, came in and said, guys, I just, I feel like I've got no grip. I don't understand. Anyway, this has been going on the first three races. We now kind of realized that we were, we've been a little bit short sighted on a, on a rule change. Um, that has affected the car balance. We believe that it should be um, quite straightforward to correct. And yeah, I'm I'm now chomping at the bit to get to Rome. Was it a, a hard step uh, stepping from petrol engine petrol engines
1: to electric engines uh, electric motors? Sorry, as they are um, I mean, in Formula
0: E. When you when you did jump over? Yeah, when I first did it, I mean. Honestly, nobody had a clue what they were doing. Compared to- <laughs> <laughs> the amount we understand now using an electric vehicle is is a, it's a different world compared to the first days at Donington with the Generation One car. Um, I mean, yeah, we really didn't know what we were doing. I didn't know what to expect. I'd signed up to a championship in a car that I'd never seen before, so it was a real leap of faith into the dark and the unknown mm. but it's been the best thing I've ever done in my life wow are you, are you looking forward to the gen 3 is it gen 3 next gen the, yeah. Three, yeah. yeah yeah, 350 kilowatts 600 kilowatts of regen front and rear axle regen um, I tell you what guys it's so it's 350 350 kilowatt and the car's going to be somewhere about 75 80 kilos lighter with 100 more power this thing's going to be quick. Like it's going to be, it's going to be quick car. Um, And I think that it's important for the viewer to know that because there's, you know, I've, I've seen them on YouTube. I've seen people put the side by side, uh, a Hamilton lap of Monaco compared to a, my lap of Monaco or something else. And it doesn't look good, but genuinely the former E car to drive is the hardest car I've ever driven. It might not look massively quick. But in terms of what you have to do throughout a cornering process, it's really tricky. There's not an awful lot of grip. The car's moving around a lot. Um, you're using a lot of rear um, axle regen to stop the car, not normal braking. Mm. Uh, makes it very tricky. And there's so many software things and systems in place that you make one decision on the software in the wrong way and the whole thing can fall apart. It's very, very tricky, very fiddly. Um, so for me, Formula E car is the hardest car I've ever driven, just let you. Like, I found it easier to get a Formula One car at the limit than a Formula E car.
3: That's what um, Antonio Giovinazzi said in an interview, that it's so much harder to drive a Formula E car than a Formula One car. Because you're yeah. worrying about like the energy levels and all of that, it's so much more complex. Um, I think he's struggling with it. bless blessing.
0: If, well, if we see him again, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm, I'm doubtful that we'll see him again. We might, you never know, he might be able to dovetail for a little bit, but let's see. <laughs>
1: You are you're you're, you're certainly going to be going, aren't you? Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I could see why uh, Haas would want him. To be there with the experience that he's had, and um, they need someone maybe to help them with development as well. So it'd be it'd be a safe pair of hands.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know of a, a short British driver who never got to race in Formula One. That give it a go. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's going to be out there anyway. So you know,
1: right.
0: just pop him in, pop him in the seat for a little bit. I'll you, I yeah, I'm
1: yeah. So why not? <laughs> um Emma, have you got another question for Sam? Uh
3: yeah, what's your favorite race? I'm gonna guess that it's either gonna be London or New York because of your consecutive wins there.
0: I, I would say probably New York. Um based on historically it's it's my best. There was another track early on in the championship, Buenos Aires. Um, that I used to really enjoy. The best track that we've had in Formula E was Montreal. I really, really enjoyed the Montreal track in season three. Um, so those are the best race tracks. My best race was the one I mentioned earlier in the interview between myself and Jules Bianchi, Monaco 2012. Um, I've I've tried everywhere to find the full race online. Mm not seem to find it if anybody could help me with that that'd be great because it brings back such amazing memories of me with a close friend that I admired as a racing driver and we went at it f- the whole race and we finished 40 seconds ahead of third um I think we lapped nearly half the field we were in a di- we were we were pushing we were really pushing each other and it was a great race so I've got fond memories of, of, of him and that and that day so what race was that? We'll get our fans to, to look out for it to try and find a World copy. World Series
1: by Renault Monaco race in
0: 2012.
1: We're gonna we're gonna get some Google Googlers find find that for uh, Sam. Will you can get I, get get a link over to the
0: hell out of that? <laughs> <laughs> all right. There's a clip that lasts about one minute fifty, um, and I think you know when you can see the views on YouTube, all of them are me. No one else has watched it. <laughs> it's just. Be constantly watching it, watching it. But um yeah, what a what a great day that was. And it was it was like it was redemption because the year before in GP2, I'd put it on pole and I stalled on pole. And then in World Series, I put it on pole and I was on pole by one second, and then I won the race. So it was like redemption and, and winning in Monaco really felt like a big deal. I I worked with a sports psychologist before that race as well, because of what happened the previous year. And he just got it in my head. It's just another race. It means the same as every other race because there's only 25 points on show. It doesn't matter that it's Monaco, mm. you're going for 25 points. That's the that's that's the goal. Forget everything else. Um, but anyway, when the checkered flag dropped, it was like I've won Monaco. And then yeah, I had a little bit of a cry on the podium. <laughs> I don't blame you I think I'd be I'd be a wreck uh, in that sort of
2: position to be honest with you um, I'm, sure, I'm sure Erton Senna had a few tears when he won in Monaco so Elton Senna cries in Monaco but I'll to cry in Monaco I think he won five
0: times in Formula 1 in Monaco I mean I won a World, I won a world Series race I know I know which one I'd prefer but <laughs> my, own, yeah. my own little way I've won Monaco yeah
2: yeah
1: Any more questions? Uh, We'll go to Emma.
3: While we're talking about um, mental performance coaches, uh, I'm doing an article at the moment, and she has said, uh, one of the Formula One performance coaches that I've spoken to, has said that uh, she thinks that mindset is maybe even more important than physical prep for a race. Is there anything that you do to sort of get in the zone, maybe listen to music? I know that Nick DeFries doesn't do any interviews.
0: Yeah. Um, Everything that you've just said is pretty true. To be honest, it's important for us to have a good level of fitness, but we don't need to be Tour de France bike riders. We don't need to be ultra marathon runners and we don't need to be strong men. We need to be something kind of in the middle, you know, really good, good fitness, really athletic, but not crazy. But the mind is, is very, very important. Um and also, confidence. Confidence is absolutely key. Like, confidence is like a flower. Like, you can, you can, one bad race and you can stamp on that flower and the flower's gone. Like, it's going to take a long time to build back up again and create something worthwhile and nice again. That's exactly the same with confidence. So, I think that's key. Um, you know, a lot of drivers have a routine. Uh, that they get into, whether that's what they put on and how they put it on. I like to listen to music. I like to have a little bit of a joke and a laugh with my engineer, keep it quite upbeat um, because the more I think about um, things, about what I need to do, I can overthink it and then I can overpush. So I I want to just stay loose and, and almost have fun with it. I find that I drive better when I'm having fun
1: what circuit are you looking forward to uh, this year there's been a, is, it, is it an addition in um, south africa is
0: that is that's, that's uh, next year oh is that next year sorry yeah um honestly i'm looking forward to rome i think it's a mega circuit really really fun makes for good racing um it's challenging so for me rome is one of my favorites and if you guys saw the monaco race last year oh, I, yes. The best races in Monaco, whether that's Formula E or Formula One, ever. So, those two races I'm really looking forward to.
2: There was a lot of passing in Monaco, which is Formula One, France. We don't get to see very much of. So when we <laughs> watched that in Formula E, we were like, "Oh, look at that!" Yeah, I and mean, that's, that's the whole point about Formula e. It's exciting, right? So,
0: you can watch a, a two-hour race uh, in Monaco, Formula One, and you've got the you've got the glitz and the glam, and um, you know it's 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 pretty quick, but not an awful lot happens through the race. Of course the commentators try and build it up and try and uh, create something out of nothing a lot of the time at Monaco, but it does a lot of the time turn into quite a procession. And then you watch the Formula E race from last year in in Monaco and it's completely different. Like you're like, "Wow, what is going on here? This is crazy. Everybody's overtaking everybody and it made for 47 minutes of really cool motorsport.
2: Going back to just Formula E in general, I've watched it on and off for quite a number of years. And I think for me, coming from Formula 1 over to Formula E, the one thing I had to adjust to from a spectator point was the noise. Yep. I I just was not used to the engine noise. It took me a bit of, oh wait a minute. And then once I got into that, but what the biggest thing, is how it's developed so quick now, back in the day, and I think James hasn't watched much in the past. where you had to swap cars, you had to yep. run in and jump in. There was another car charged up, you had to jump in and yep. jump back out, and yep. and it was like you had just this V tent. And it's just looked so to be a bit blunt, it looked quite amateur at the very start. And you know, and I'm like, oh, you're jumping out of a car into another car, that's weird.
0: Yeah, and so then- I'm going. You're completely right, but the rate of, of improvement has been crazy. Even from season one to season two, season two to season three, more manufacturing yeah. board, and, and then more, and then more. And, and then it became a real manufacturer's um, technology race, especially with the software and, and the hardware, to be fair, but the the software and who could be who with software. And that yeah. was really- be quite cool um we got to season five the gen 2 car came along we know now no longer need to do the car swap i actually quite enjoyed the car swap uh <laughs> because it was a pit stop and there were things that could go wrong and it, it kind of broke the race up a little bit yeah. in that i think attack mode has tried to but maybe not as well as a pit stop would have done um that's just my opinion I'm not saying I tag much bad guys. I'm just saying that that's, that's my opinion. <laughs> but um, the noise thing, everybody's going to have to get used to quieter cars and the, the kind of noise that Formula E produces because by, I, I think it's, what is it? 2035 or something in the UK or 2030? Something
2: 2030. I think it was initially.
0: 30. Everybody has to be driving a hybrid or an electric vehicle. Yeah. So, uh, as disappointing that is, I love a V10, I love a V12, I love a V8, but that's the way the world is going. And um, yeah, Formula E is the catalyst for change in, in that regard, where the technology and softwares software that these manufacturers are uh, coming up with are like the testing bed to then go on the production line to create more efficient cars for all of us uh, in the coming years.
1: Okay. So, well, I'll admit that I, I've not been the biggest fan of FE. I haven't watched many, but this year I've promised to make sure I watch every single race. Um, and the guys have, are keeping me up to date on everything as well. Um, so for people like me, there will be people like me uh, as well listening to the podcast, I'm sure. Can you kind of give a pitch as to why FE is a great um, formula to watch?
0: Oh, right. So... Um... I think it's a great formula to watch because it's firstly, the, the race is only 45 minutes. So it's, it's a period of time that you can sit down and it doesn't take up a lot of your day. You can just sit down quickly, watch the race, and then you're done with that. Um, it's absolutely jam packed of world-class drivers. It's also jam packed with action. Every lap, something is going on. Someone's making a move. There's normally a couple of incidents during the race as well, and these are on street circuits all around the world, and we can run millimeter to millimeter behind each other for most of the race, and it just makes for really fun, exciting motorsport, so put aside the noise thing, um, put aside a bit of the speed thing, although we are pretty quick now at, at 250 kilowatt, it's some of the world's best drivers going hammer and tong around some major cities around the world. What's not to love about that? And lots of F1 names
1: that have been through, you know, if you're an F1 fan only, um, then you've got
0: those, those kind of uh, recognisable names to see as well. Most of the grid has sampled Formula One machinery at some point in their lives. Uh, I, I can't, maybe Oliver Askew now, um, he's done IndyCar, but I think, I I don't even think Mitch has my teammate Mitch I don't think he has but I think everybody else may have sampled or raced Formula 1 now just just because they've raced Formula 1 now they're doing Formula E in my eyes doesn't mean they weren't good enough in Formula 1 well you look at Oscar Piastri the situation
2: there similar situation
0: Formula 1 guys is also a really political world having been involved in it so many sharks out there, and um, you you get employed by a team, and you you guys watching at home, people that watch at home don't understand that there's a lot of politics within a team. Even mm. now, there will be a number one driver, there'll be a number two driver, a young driver coming in as a number two. Um, will might not get the same equipment as the number one might not have the same front wing updates as the number one so you're never you're never going to be able to match him because you don't have the same equipment and machinery Mm -hmm. um, available to you and and then that driver gets branded as not as good and is he not doing such a good job and then mentally that can kill a young driver it it can destroy you then you overtry. then yeah mistakes creep in and then all of a sudden you're you're right on the cusp of losing your drive and and it becomes very very difficult so i think there's been quite a few of those kind of guys have uh, very very talented people left formula one and, and actually found a home in formula e
1: how about your time in, in formula one obviously you never, you never got to race uh, a race, but you did um, get, get to kind of drive these cars. Um, is that a, a kind of a memory that you'll take kind of with you, at least, at least one of the people that got to drive these fastest cars in the world?
0: Yeah, it was an amazing time. Look, I, I worked with, I, I was good friends with Michael. I worked with Lewis and I worked with Nico Rosberg. I, you know, that's, um, how many world championships is that? That's 15 world championships I've <laughs> So that's pretty cool. I don't think anybody else can say that they've done that. Um I've got some some great stories, um some great times with some great people. Am I disappointed that I never got to race in Formula 1? Yeah, of course I'm of course and that's never going to happen now for me. And you know, to not fully reach your dream, to fully reach it is is disappointing. I've moved on from it and I love what I do now. Um you know, I, I don't think I could have done any more to try and get into Formula One. Um, but, you know, it, it was what it was. I thoroughly enjoyed my time, um, got to drive some amazing machinery and, yeah, move on. And that's pretty much it.
1: There was, there was a story that I wanted to talk to you about, actually, that I saw, um, actually, when I was doing a bit more research about you uh, with Michael Schumacher, uh, you didn't go to uh, practice one 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 day straight away. You uh, went to an airfield. Is that is that correct?
0: Oh right. So we <laughs> we're talking treat- about Michael
1: Schumacher here, everyone. Just to just to
0: yeah. clarify. Me, me and Michael got on really well. We we had we had a good banter. We had a good laugh. I was really nervous meeting him because he was my childhood hero. But I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to blow smoke up his backside. I'm going to treat him like a friend like a mate and I think he really respected that um I think he knew that uh, you know he was my hero but I never let on so I would take the mickey out of him he would take the mickey out of me we would we would get on we'd we'd have we'd have a great laugh and I became very friendly with him and 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 that was super so we we got to Montreal my phone rings in my hotel room And it's Michael. And he goes, Sam, what are you, uh, what are we doing tomorrow morning? I said, well, we've, I think we don't have much going on in the morning, but then in the afternoon, we've got, we've got a couple of those meetings. We've got the, we've got the driver's briefing. We're going to walk the track. And he was like, no, 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 we'll go. We'll go later. We'll go later. Um, We're going skydiving um, tomorrow morning. So see you downstairs breakfast at seven. Now I've never done a skydive before. (laughs) Not going to say no to Michael Schumacher. So I, Hand it off on the phone. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, yeah, cool, cool, cool. I put the phone down and thought, what have I done? Why am I doing this? Like <laughs> I'm not particularly great with heights, but all of a sudden now I've committed to going twelve and a half thousand feet above Montreal somewhere with Michael. But what the one of the best experiences of my life. Really cool. I've got some great pictures of the day. Um, I think my mum back at, back at her house somewhere has a DVD because we paid for the DVD um, of me going down and then there's Michael next to me in, in his all red gear. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of a money-can't-buy experience to do that with somebody that was a hero of mine. That's pretty cool.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm super jealous because I want to do a skydive. Uh, and to do it with with Michael Schumacher must have just been the icing on the, on the cake, really.
0: Yeah, but what what you, I think especially in his Ferrari days, I think he was very guarded. Um, and he, because he was such a global megastar, like there's there's only 10, 15 sportsmen probably ever that can, that can claim to be as big as people like Lewis and uh, Michael, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, you know, the big names, Roger mm-hmm. Federer, you know, they can't go out of their house um, because uh, everybody knows who they are. Every single human knows who Michael Schumacher was back then. So it was very difficult for him to trust people, I think. But the fact that he trusted me uh, enough to, to be mates was a big deal for me. Um, and actually, I've, I've actually got his final ever Formula One race suit downstairs. Wow. Oh. So I've got his brazil 2012 mercedes suit hanging up my no way my f1 race suit yeah that's pretty cool that is very cool
2: if you ever need someone to look after that <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so um yeah I, I treasure that that's that's never leaving mine um, i would never sell that
1: so obviously Michael Schumacher, a big hero. Were there any other big heroes that you've, you've managed to meet uh,
0: from the from the motorsport world or from you know the wider world that you get introduced to? Being Lewis is all uh, is is a hero as well, like someone that I massively look up to. Um, you know, Lewis. It, in a weird way, I used to look at Michael's data and I look at Nico's data, and I I could match that. I could do that. That that was that was. It achievable and, and I would achieve it on on test days but not Lewis's no nah, no nah. he could do things with a car that I can say hand on heart I can't do that because I'm not as good as him mm. and he's the only driver that i I can say that I've worked with that that is the case I I can't do what Lewis Hamilton does in a car it's just it's fair enough uh, I can't I can't He's just better than me. Um, I don't think you hear too many sportsmen actually admit that and say that <laughs> he's that good. That um,
1: yeah. well, I'm, I- I'm, sh- I'm sure that's the same. Not just for you, for, for, for many, many drivers the world over. Though you don't get to the pinnacle of the sport and, and win seven championships, so it's
0: not putting you down in any way, shape, or form. Because no, you know. exactly, there's you know he is one of, if not the greatest driver of all time. Statistically, he is the greatest driver of all time. But it's, it's just how perfect his brake shapes are. Like they are, It's like you've drawn them with, with, with a ruler. It's unbelievable. You need to, you need to in, in these high downforce cars, you want to hit the brake extremely hard at the beginning and then blend off the brake nicely and keep a good amount of pressure up here and then bleed off so that you don't lock the front brakes Later on in the braking phase, if you've got too much pressure on down here, you're going to snatch the front brakes, create understeer or flat spot. But his his are just perfect; like they've just been. It's like they've been drawn and not <laughs> like crazy. Emma, have you got any
1: more questions for Sam?
3: I was literally going to ask a football question as well. Is there anyone, like maybe a footballer that you've met that's been a, a bit starstruck to meet?
0: So I haven't met Cristiano. I haven't met uh, Messi. I would get. I would. I would uh, be very starstruck. Um, I met Alex Ferguson.
3: Wow,
0: that was very cool. Footballer, footballer wise, um, I got the chance to play with Francesco Totti, um, and that was pretty incredible. I also played in a game with Didier Deschamps, uh, oh, yeah. the most decorated footballers of all time. So, I, I've met some cool people in my time. I've met You're some people. You're a Manchester United fan, aren't you? Is that, is that right? Next question. Let's let's not...
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, James, you were
0: told not to mention that. We <laughs> could have done a whole segment on this. Let's move on. <laughs> I,
2: I, can, I can cheer you up, though, Sam, because Liverpool are losing. No. They're 1-0 down. Oh, yeah, but they're 2-1 up in the ties. 2-1 up in aggregate, yeah. But there's four minutes to go okay thanks so i've missed the whole game thank
0: you guys <laughs> <laughs> that's our pleasure just just out of
1: interest then if you had to stick your neck out at this early stage obviously it's very difficult because we are obviously we haven't even seen the second test yet We've, none of us have really seen the cars on track but if you could say with any kind of guess kind of
0: educated guess uh, who would you who would you pick to be the winner this year um i'm i'm there's, only, there's, there's one person I think will do it. I think Lewis will win. I think that um, Russell will run him hard at times, but Lewis will use his experience and know how to get it done a little bit like he's done so many times over the years. Um, I think the Red Bull put a lot of resources into last year and might be a little bit on the back foot. I see Ferrari coming out the gate strong and then fading. And I think McLaren will be there or thereabouts to pick up podiums. Um, Maybe not regularly, but on occasions where maybe Ferrari and or Red Bull slip up a little bit. So you don't see the pecking order changing too much then? I think it's such a money sport that... uh, No, I I don't see anything changing. Um... Because the infrastructure for the the current regulations was kind of in place before the the budget cap came in, so you would I don't think you would you will see a change until there's probably another one, and, and that's the way that I think it's going to go.
1: Well, sorry to disappoint all the fans listening (laughs) that have put all their hopes and dreams on the the 2022 regulations coming in uh, and mixing up the field. Um, But do you know what? I I tend to agree with you, actually. I, I think that
0: you will see closer racing. I think that the gaps between cars, instead of seeing cars that have to sit one second back and cannot break that area, I think now there's the potential for cars to run within half a second, which means that you'll get more overtaking down straights and into braking zones, um, Mm -hmm. which, which should be better for the sport. Let's
1: hope so. Okay, well, thank you very much for coming to chat to us, uh, Sam Bird. Uh, it's been really, really interesting talking to you. Obviously, I I, I could sit and talk to you for hours on end because you, you, I'm sure you've got loads of other stories that you could tell us as well. Um, but we got to keep it to kind of an hour and 10, 20 minutes the uh, the podcast um, to make it easy, easy listenable to our fans. But thank you very much for coming to join us cool. today. Thank you, guys. Enjoy your evening. Thank you. We thank will. You. Thank you very Cheers. much. Thank All you right. very much. So, Emma, what do you want to tell of all of our fans?
3: Um, just to make sure to go to the Formula E website when the uh, Rome e Prey is on and vote for Sam to get the fan boost. woo
1: And then he'll get that boost uh, in the next race, FE, uh, which is in Rome. Yes. OK, well, that's been the Everything F1 podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, As always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also find us on our website, www.everythingf1.com. And please hit the subscribe button on the podcast so you can get all of our latest episodes in your earlobes as soon as they drop. That's everything from me, James Tiller. And thank you very much to Coops and Emma also for joining me today. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. We'll speak to you next week where we've got Craig Scarborough coming on to speak about this year's regulations. Thank you very much, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye.
3: Bye.